She's not here to judge. She's here to report the honest news on healthy living. She's Andrea Donsky, along with Lisa Davis. It's time for Naturally Savvy. I'm Lisa Davis with Andrea Donsky, and we hear so much about toxins, and here on Naturally Savvy, we like to help you live the healthiest life you can. So we're thrilled to have Dr. Stuart Lonke back on the show. Dr. Lonke, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You know, when people think about air pollution, they're not and about toxins. They're not really thinking about the actual particles. So what is going on? What do we need to know? And how do we keep these out of our body? Well, that's a very good question. I think that when most people think about air pollution and they think about smoke and smog and the chemicals that are in there, I think they tend to forget that mixed in with all of those chemicals coming mostly from combustion are what we call particles. And you will hear the term PM standing for particulate matter. So particulate matter are small particles that, and we we size them. So if we say PM10, it means they're 10 micra in diameter, which is pretty small, uh, or less. And they are mostly irritants. But when we get down to 2.5, PM2.5, that's where most of the attention has been spent over the last 15 years or so. And I think people are not really aware of the fact that along with carbon monoxide levels in the air and uh, so on and so forth that we tend to, to, to concentrate on, uh, the, the, uh, the, the level of particulates in the air are very important because First and foremost, as a pulmonary doctor, everybody associates these particles with asthma and lung disease. And there is no question that particulate matter in the air, uh, when it's high, there are increased incidences of asthma, uh, bronchitis, lung infections. Patients with asthma, young children, older people, uh, people with chronic obstructive lung disease, they all get a flare-up of their symptoms, and they can't really figure it out. Uh, but it has to do with particle pollution. Dr. Lonke, are these... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, look, are these particles also found in the home? I mean, obviously they're in the environment, but I'm guessing they're found in the home too from, like, cleaning products or off-gassing. Would that be well, correct the, to the, say? Well, the, the off-gassing, you see, that's where... That, that's, that's the chemicals that come from off-gassing. But in your home... If you have a heating system in your home, by, by all means, that's where it comes from in the house. It comes okay. from other uh, sources as well. Um, and, you know, the, the, the source of particulate matter in the home um, comes primarily from the use of electric equipment, so on and so forth, anything that will cause particles to come up, and, of course, regular house dust. Uh, right. You don't see these small particles, but the home is uh, in some ways protected slightly from the particles that are in the air. But unless you have an airtight house, you're going to have some particles from outside getting in. You were saying that you lived in California. Were you going to say that it has higher? Yeah, I live in California, <laughs> so we hear about fires and people, uh, we see the fires that happen miles and miles away, but that's how these particles get airborne. And uh, we're talking about the big particles, which we said were irritant, and they cause, uh, like I say, respiratory problems. But the smaller particles are even more offensive because they get deeper into the lung tissue. They get on your skin, 
Uh, and But particularly from the respiratory standpoint, we understand that some of these PM2.5 concentrations uh, are correlated with diseases other than lung disease. And that's what I want to at least make people aware of. Now, they can get, so they can we... get information regarding PM2.5 levels in their area from the Air Quality Management District. There are sensing stages around areas, stations, around almost every state in the United States. So on any given day, for example, here in Los Angeles, we can, you can look at the different areas in town and take a look at what the carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, and PM2.5 levels are. And we understand you know, that, yeah, so, sometimes during the day these levels are quite high. They're highest in the early afternoon, uh, lowest in the morning, and lower in the evening. I was wondering, what could people do? I mean, obviously, these, you know, like you said, there was the fires and there's other issues going on in the environment. What could people do? So, like, we have about four minutes left. What are some tips that people can do? I see people wearing masks. Are those effective? Or what no. are some other things people can do can reduce their exposure to it or at least not be, I guess, as severely affected? Well, I think that one has to understand that the, 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 the particles, the PM2.5, are, are correlated with a lot of other, a lot of other diseases. Most common are those that relate to blood clotting. For some reason, and we believe it has to do with platelet activation. So those little cells in your blood that cause the blood to clot uh, are more active, and blood clots form more easily. So truck drivers, they're driving on the road with the windows open. If you're driving in your car and you're on a freeway and it's the middle of the afternoon, if you have air conditioning, use it, even if it's not that high outside. I really think that it's an important thing for people to realize that recirculating the air within the car, at least, will decrease your exposure to higher levels of PM2.5. Taking a look at when the PM2.5 are the highest uh, and really limiting your exercise to other times during the day will decrease your exposure to PM2.5. Um, uh, those are the, the most important things, and that's why there are a number of companies, as I mentioned to you off the air, there are a number of companies right now developing small gadgets that you can carry with you that can show you areas that you go to every single day, routes that you take walking to work, what the PM2.5 levels are in these different areas, and you may want to reroute your your uh, your way to work or to uh, exercise class to whatever it is that you're doing, even in your own home. Um, and there are some air purifiers that are very good against PM 2.5. Uh, and so it's important to realize that this technology, when it is available, will be something that I really think that patients and people out there, your listening audience, need to begin to adopt into their daily routine. Identify you know, identify those areas and start to prevent your further exposure. But those are just a couple of hints. I did want to mention one other thing before we run out of time. PM 2.5, there's even a smaller particle, which is called PM 1. And the thing about PM 1 is they actually get into your bloodstream. And there, it's very important to realize that all of these particles are small inert particles, but they're also coated. They're coated with chemicals. So for example, we don't burn much coal in the United States now, but they do in China. Why would we care? Because the jet stream from China is coming our way. 
And so as much as 20 to 30% of the particles that are in the air in the Los Angeles basin come from Asia. They're not ours. So you have to understand that this is a problem that we're facing, and it is one of the reasons why we're constantly bombarded. And the smart thing to do at this point in time is to, number one, identify those areas that you can using the AQMD numbers, and then common sense. You know, realizing that if there's a fire out there or there are other things that are going on, uh, obviously anybody that lives near a power plant is going to have higher concentrations. If you live near a freeway, higher concentrations when traffic is high. Not, not, not a good time to exercise during the, the heavy traffic period. So we have to go, actually, but just really quickly, what do you think of HRV systems? So let's say people live near a power plant or live near places where there's a lot of pollution. Would something like an HRV system be useful for them? In about two seconds to answer that. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yes, it would. Yes? Yeah. Okay. So I perfect. Think, I think that that's so? kind okay, of system good. would help. The heat, re- heat recovery ventilators. All right, awesome. All right, well, thanks, Dr. Yeah. Lonke. As always, I mean, amazing information. You can learn more about Dr. Lonke at stuartlonke.com and on Twitter at LonkeMD. I'm Andrea Donsky. This is, along with Lisa Davis, this is Naturally Savvy Radio on Radio MD. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Your Radio MD and at Naturally Savvy. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay well. <laughs>